Hello, everyone. This is Tiffany, and I am so excited to have you here again for another episode of Radical Audacity, where we look at those heck yes moments when we are living in our alignment with our true selves. Today, I'm really excited about the guest. Jessica Baladad is a breast cancer survivor, warrior, and in the midst of her battle, while her hair was falling out, she decided to start an app to help other women with their breast exams so that they don't go through the same experience that she has gone through. Her story is inspiring. It will bring you to tears. It will probably bring some anger and frustration up, and it will also make you laugh because she is just a lovely human with a beautiful sense of humor amongst all of these difficulties. I am so excited for you to listen to this interview today. Welcome to the Radical Audacity Podcast. I'm Tiffany Kane, your host. On this podcast, you are going to meet people that walk their own path, live life on their own terms, let go of other people's rules and expectations and the shoulds in life, and instead live life in their own truth, integrity, and authenticity. This podcast will give you the inspiration you need to live your own radically audacious life. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Radical Audacity podcast. I am so thrilled to introduce you to today's guest. Today's guest inspires me beyond belief. She has gone through so many difficulties in her young life, and she turned around and created something to help other women. And to me, she's the the poster woman for living a radical, radically audacious life where you choose yourself and you help others. And Jessica, I am just so thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having um, for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm actually a little choked up by oh, no. your intro there, <laughs> but thank you so much for that. You're amazing and that you're so kind. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. So I'm going to give a tiny bit of a background of you, and then I want you to tell the rest of your story. So listeners, I found Jessica... Um, gosh, I, I think I was online and somehow I came across you. And it was one of those moments where I thought, wow, this woman is amazing and I need to talk to her. So Jessica is a breast cancer warrior. You're are you kind you're kind of still in the the battle, right? Still in the fight. A bit. I'm in remission, remission, but I'm recovering from surgeries and kind of the aftermath. Okay. Of yeah. So we're going to call mm-hmm. you a warrior slash survivor. Um, so Jessica is a breast cancer warrior slash survivor, and she took this experience that she has as a young breast cancer um, patient warrior and turned it into something to help other women. And the the fact that you have the capacity to fight your own battle, but also want to help other women through their battle or to avoid the battle even, um, to me is just such a huge thing. So 
Jessica, I'm just so excited to have you on the podcast today. Will you share with us a little bit about your journey with breast cancer? Yeah, so um, I'll go back to um, a little bit, uh, just a little background. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was 18 years old, I found a lump in my breast Mm. and uh, I accidentally found it in the shower and not expecting it at all. It scared the crap out of me. Um, I called a family member, a couple family members, my mom and my aunt. Uh, my aunt had had breast cancer before and she was a nurse. I called my mom because I needed to make an appointment to go to the gynecologist for the first time mm. and, and get it checked out. Um, had my aunt look at it and, um, you know, it moved around a lot for her. And she's like, I don't think you have anything to worry about. She's like, it's a good thing that it moves. And then um, set an appointment with gynecologist. She's like, oh, yeah, this is a cyst, you know no big deal. Uh, Fast forward, I'm in college because this happened uh, right before I started my freshman year. Mm. And um, I'm just noticing the lump more. It's a little more painful. Uh, Long story short, it had to be removed and it was biopsied. And it was found to be a benign tumor called a fibronoma. Mm. And yeah, it Apparently, um, of course, check with your doctor about this. They're very common in young women of menstruating ages, anywhere from late teens into your 30s, early 40s, even. Um, You know, it it was a lump that moved around a lot. And, you know, they performed a lumpectomy, biopsied it, said, all right, you're you're good to go. I thought, all right, great. Uh, Living my life. I'm in the habit of doing self-breast exams every month because of that experience. Mm. And then um, I also have um, quite a family history of breast cancer. Um, I'm the fourth generation in my family on my dad's side who's had it at this point. Wow. Yeah. Um, man, uh, my great-grandmother... Five of her sisters, oh. my, yeah, my grandmother, two aunts, and now me. Mm. And you said and they didn't find the genetic component yeah, to it, right? There's no genetic component that's been discovered. There's not a gene mutation. They're very certain that there is a mutation. They just haven't found it yet. Mm-hmm. They don't have a name for it or what to call it. Um but yeah, everyone has tested negative for the BRCA genes, the Chet genes, uh, the very um, more well-known genes connected to breast cancer at this point. Um, when I was diagnosed, I was tested against, I believe, like 83 different genes, and that was in 2018. And they, I mean, they couldn't find anything mm. that said, yeah, this is breast cancer. Here's why you have breast cancer, this right here. And I have since had... Um, other family members, uh, cousins of my dad's uh, who have been diagnosed with breast cancer since I've been diagnosed. And, you know, they genetically test them and nothing's coming up. Um, it, it's just a giant question mark mm. at this time. Yeah. So 2018, I am uh, doing my self-breast exams. January did a self-breast exam. February did a breast exam. March, I skipped my self-breast exam. (laughs) Yeah, um, I thought, well, I have an appointment with my practitioner this month and she's going to do a clinical exam. 
who better than my practitioner to do a, a thorough exam that maybe I've missed something. She'll, she'll find it. She'll tell me about it. She'll document it. We'll monitor it together and decide what to do next, right? You know, these are people I'm supposed to trust um, with things like this. So I go to the doctor. She does a clinical exam. Doesn't say anything to me about finding a lump or noticing anything different. And everything checks out fine to her. She even documents it accordingly. And uh, she's like, all right, you're good. Get dressed. Uh, see you in a year. I'm like, okay, great. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two weeks after that, I had to take a trip to uh, North Dakota for a funeral. And I was in the shower uh, getting ready for the day. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I just went to the doctor, but I haven't done myself breast exam, you know, and it's about time. So I should probably do it. And I almost talked myself out of it mm. because I just went to the doctor. And at the same time, it was the end of my menstrual cycle. And I thought, no, I need to stay in the habit. This is when I normally do my exams. Mm -hmm. So went over the right side. Everything was fine. I was always really thorough about the right side because in the six o'clock position on my right side is where I had the benign tumor. So I was always super thorough on that side. Go to the left side. I come to about the two, three, four o'clock position and I, I, I noticed a lump. I noticed something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. Wait, wait, hang on. Let me go to the right side and see if there's if there's something over there. Maybe I'm just feeling a duct that's just a little enlarged. Um, there have been times I've found my ribs because I've dug so deep <laughs> into my breast. <laughs> yeah, I'll find a rib. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, Jessica, that's a rib. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so went back to the right side, and I thought, Oh, oh my God. And I'm like, I don't feel anything over there. And so I am poking and I am prodding all around the left side. And I'm just like, uh, okay. Okay. And I'm really starting to get nervous and freak out. Mm -hmm. And I am just, I mean, smashing my thumb and my fingers into my breast. It's hurting (laughs) because I'm, I'm going through this like denial right away. Like this can't be it. But then you know, I'm feeling all around myself. <laughs> Sorry if that's too much detail. Not too much detail. We need to talk <laughs> about women's, women's breast health is very important. Yeah. Um, and it just, I just, my heart sinks. It speeds up and I just sit in the shower. I'm like, it's cancer. This has to be cancer. I'm, I'm in my early thirties. It, it's, it's time. It, it, this is, it's, it's my turn because every funeral I had been to in my family related to cancer, someone else was diagnosed. And I thought, it's it's my turn. It's just, it's it's gotta be. It, it just runs in my on my dad's side of the family. And then I sat I, I sat up and I thought, wait, Jessica, it doesn't run on your mom's side of the family. You just went to the doctor. You work out, you eat well, you don't drink or smoke. Not that I'm a prude. I just know my limit on drinking is zero. <laughs> so, um, and I thought, I'm fine. I'm good. This is, who knows what this is from? Maybe it's from lifting weights. Maybe it's, you know, from, who knows? You know, women's breasts are lumpy. 
I've had a fibroadenoma before. It's probably one of those. It kind of wiggled a little bit. It didn't move very much at all. It just wiggled a little bit like a kernel of corn on the cob. Whereas the fibroadenoma for me moved around like a marble. Mm. So um, I get out of the shower and I go immediately to Dr. Google because that's what we all do when <laughs> we have something we're not familiar with. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Googling breast cancer symptoms and it's talking about dimpling, puckering, bleeding, discharge. I had none of that. I didn't have a rash. I didn't have, they physically from the outside, my breasts look fine. They were, um, I guess, performing, quote unquote, mm -hmm. like I didn't have, you know, any of that other stuff, the bleeding, the discharge, none of that. And I thought, okay, this is just a lump. I, I'm in great shape. And the doctor, she said nothing. She would have found this a couple of weeks ago, surely, because I just did. And I thought, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm golden. I'm, yeah, just, I'm going to keep living my life. I'm too young for breast cancer. No big deal. I got this. I'll keep an eye on it. And, uh, you know, I don't want to have surgery right now or anything. I'm living my best life. You know, I've been married for three years. I'm traveling. I'm working. I'm into my career. Things are great. Don't have time for a health scare. I'm going to keep going <laughs> with my life. Yeah. Oh You're going to will it, will it away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how naive I was. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, um, well, fast forward through the summer, I just noticed, you know, I'm working out, I'm living life and I'm noticing I'm getting tired more frequently and more often. Uh, I work from home during the day and um, I'm just noticing I would sleep really well, seven to nine hours at night. And then in the afternoons around two, three o'clock or so, I'd get tired, like mm -hmm. needing a nap, needing to rest, needing to sleep. I would just have this heaviness of sleepiness, tiredness come over me. And I just thought, okay, well, I just finished lunch. Maybe my food's settling and I'm just a little tired, you know, walk around a little, rejuvenate some energy. Um, i like, well, I'll take a power nap. Power naps for 20, 30 minutes turned into two plus hours that I would need to set an alarm for so that I didn't sleep through the night. Mm. And I didn't understand what my body was doing. Uh, one thought I had was, wow, being 30 is so tiresome <laughs> and hard. <laughs> I was, uh, this is what it's like to get old. I'm tired all the time. I love when you think 30 is old. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I was, yeah, what's even better? I was 32 turning 33. I was just hardly. 33. And um, I was just like, wow, so this is my body falling apart on me. Um, what to do with all this? And one day after a nap, I wake up and I'm going through my phone, just checking messages. I go through Snapchat and I notice this video of a girl I had met at my sister's wedding several months prior. She was shaving her head. And since she was a mutual person that my sister and I knew, I sent a text to my sister. I'm like, hey, why is so-and-so shaving her head? And my sister's like, oh, she has breast cancer. She's getting ready to start chemotherapy. I'm like, what? She's a year older than I am. 
And my heart sank again and it sped up just like it did in the shower months prior. And I thought, I got to get to the doctor. I got to get this lump checked out. If she's old enough to get breast cancer, this lump in my breast very well could be cancer. I get to the doctor and um, the the pra- I saw a different practitioner than I saw earlier in the year. She examines my breast and she's kind of nodding her head. And she's just like, okay, okay. Um, she's like, all right, sit up, get dressed. And she leaves, sends in her nurse. Her nurse um, says, all right, we're going to schedule you for a mammogram. I'm like, wait, what mammogram? Why? She's like, well, the, we need to see what's going on. I'm like, wait, I have questions for the doctor. Can, you know, can I ask her questions? She's like, well, she's busy right now. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I can wait on her. She's like, well, it's going to be a while. And I'm like, well, I'll sit here and wait then. Oh, my goodness. And oh, my goodness. He, I'm like seething inside for you, Jessica. I am seething. Um, um, well, it's we get into quite the confrontation because I start asking her questions like, well, what did her notes say? What did you know? Did she you know write anything down? And the nurse looks at me and says, well, I'm not a mind reader. I don't mm. know. And I'm like, could you find out for me? And she just kind of leaves huffing and puffing. Mm-hmm. And I realized during that confrontation, they just wanted me to leave. Mm-hmm. They didn't want me there because I waited an hour and a half to finally see the practitioner again. Mm. I, d- I didn't go anywhere. I waited. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And, you know, I was, you know, terrified. I was mad. I had so many feelings. And finally, the doctor, the practitioner comes back in and she's like, I hear you have some questions for me. I'm like, yeah, is this indicative of cancer? She's like, I just know that it's a lump. And then she says something to me that no other medical professional has ever said to me. And she's like, can I pray for you? (gasps) And I... I am a person of faith. Um, I'm Catholic. I live in a very Southern Baptist, evangelical, Protestant area. And where I, I don't pray out loud, like, but a lot of people here do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I let her, I have many friends who are evangelical Protestants. And so I, I let her, you know, and, and that was fine. And at this point, we're both in tears. Mm. You know, by the time she finishes and I knew it was serious. Mm. And then she looks at me and she's holding my hand and she's like, honey, no matter what happens, God is going to use you through this. And while it was a very sweet sentiment, my first thought was, oh, God, this is bad, isn't it? Mm. (laughs) No one ever tells you that when you have the sniffles or a UTI Hey, God's going to make your mess into your message. You're going to do something with these sniffles or this UTI (laughs) or this STD. You're going (laughs) to... No one's ever told me that before. (sighs) Yeah. And so I go to my mammogram. I'm a nervous wreck. I get uh, the mammogram done. I go to the ultrasound room and um, because I needed more imaging. Mm -hmm the text going over my left breast and I 
just hear the space bar. She's taking images, but I, I think that's what she's doing. You know, I just hear ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. I mean, it sounds like she's playing slots in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just I hear, don't know. Okay. I just got to stop you for a second because you're telling yeah. this heart-wrenching story and I'm going between crying and disbelief, anger, and then laughing out loud. You are a great storyteller. Okay. Keep telling you. your story. <laughs> keep telling that's, your story. I, mean, I am on the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a little bit of humor I found in this, you know, during, after the fact, you know, throughout all of this. So this is just how I recognize <laughs> this story uh, for myself. And so, you know, she's going over my breast, taking images, and um, I'm a nervous wreck. And then she looks at me and she's like, hang on a second. I got to go get the radiologist. And I'm thinking, great, the VIP experience. I'm going to meet the radiologist. Oh my no God. letter in two weeks that says, you know, we found nothing. You know, come back mm -hmm. in X number of months and talk to your doctor. It's no, I get to talk to the radiologist right then and there. So he comes in the room with the tech and he's looking at the screen. She's going over my breast again and she goes up my arm. And he stops her and says, wait, get that lymph node, that big one. And I just sat up. I'm like, lymph node, what? And he turns around and looks at me. He's like, look, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I've seen this before. I'm pretty sure it's cancer. Meet me at the hospital, eight o'clock in the morning. I can do your biopsy. I said, all right, cool. I can be there, but... Nobody knows where I am or what's going on right now. I need help telling my family right now. And like everybody asks me, didn't your husband feel it or know about it? And the answer is no, because it was pretty deep in there. And he, he just wouldn't have known mm -hmm. it was there. Mm -hmm. And I kept it from him because I didn't want to scare anybody. I didn't want to seem like I was being dramatic by telling people I have a lump in my breast and being so young and people just saying, oh, it's probably nothing. Stop being dramatic, you know, mm -hmm. just gaslighting me about it. I didn't want to deal with that. And I also had um, my second aunt, my dad's oldest sister, um, was getting ready to pass a breast cancer. Mm. And he was between Tennessee and Kentucky saying goodbye to her and working. And um, I know at one point he told me, hey, you need to come to Kentucky. You need to say goodbye to your aunt. And I said, okay, dad, well, I have some medical appointments that I really mm -hmm. need to get to because I knew about the lump and he didn't. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to tell him until I absolutely had something to tell him. And now the time is, was here. I needed to tell him. And so um, the tech, I would dial a family member. Like I called my mom. She lived in North Dakota at the time. And I said, mom, I'm at such and such imaging. And um, uh, well, hang on. I'm just going to pass the phone to somebody. Hang on. I, I couldn't say I couldn't vocalize mm. it. I pass the phone to the tech and the tech tells my mom what's going on. She hands the phone back to me. My mom's like, I'm on the next flight out as soon as I can get there. Mm. 
I called my dad. He was in Tennessee at the time. And I said, dad, I need you to stop everything you're doing right now. And I need you to listen to me. I really need you right now. And I couldn't say it. I passed the phone to the tech. And she told him that, you know, the, they found something really suspicious in my breast. She passed the phone back to me and he's like, I'm on my way home. I'm going to send my stepmom to come pick you up. You don't need to be driving. And um, he sent uh, my stepmom to come pick me up. And the nurses and the techs and the doctor all agreed I didn't need to be driving. I was mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. I was alone. And um, and I was alone because some of me felt like this, this can't be cancer. I'm too young. Mm-hmm. And I just remember I called my husband. He had just started a new job and a new position. And I said, just meet me at my dad's house. He's like, why? What is wrong? I said, leave work and meet me at my dad's house. Like I couldn't even get past that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what's going on? I'm just like, meet me at my dad's house. He was freaking out. He didn't know what to think. My stepmom comes and picks me up. We get to my dad's house on the way to my dad's house. I'm calling friends, like come in my dad's house. It's really important because um, my dad lives in the hometown that I grew up in. So I called my friends who live there. I said, hey, meet me at my dad's house. I got something to tell you. It's very important. And I'm there, friends, family. And I told them everything about how I got to that point. Uh, I go to the biopsy. Uh the next day, the biopsy is performed. The following Monday, um, I get the call. He, uh, the doctor who did the biopsy and looked at my ultrasound, he's like, uh, Miss Baladad, I know that I told you that I thought it was cancer. We have a confirmation it is cancer. Mm. And I said, thank you. Thank you so much for telling me. I finally have an answer mm-hmm. because up at that point, I was talking myself out of it, even though deep down, I think I knew. Yeah. And I just, a part of me was actually relieved to have an answer. Yeah. And then I went to terror, like, okay, well, the answer is cancer. We got to do something about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, called my dad, who was up in Kentucky at that point with family. My aunt had passed. And I realized I was going to miss her funeral and everything. And so I was distraught about that. And then I'm dealing with a cancer diagnosis. So I just have this compounded grief going on. Mm -hmm. And my dad makes a phone call. He calls his uh, younger sisters oncologist. His name's Dr. Rogers. uh, Dr. Rogers. (laughs) Um, Dr. Rogers took care of my grandmother and my aunt, and then he uh, called me. His office personally called me and said, be here at 8 o'clock in the morning. We're going to get you taken care of right away. Mm. And that man is a saint. (laughs) He um, opened his office when they actually had a training day that day, and he wasn't taking any patients and it was just me and his nurses. And all of a sudden, like, my body wasn't my body anymore. I was handing it over to mm. 
doctors, nurses, I mean, they're poking and prodding and asking me questions. And I'm just having this out of body disassociation. I'm just answering questions robotically. I don't even remember everything I said or what's being said to me, but he's on the phone gathering information. I've got blood work. I've got things hooked up to me. Like this, I've got my mom and my husband with me at that time. My sister was on, um, she took a late honeymoon. She's trying to get back into the country, but she doesn't know what's going on either. They didn't want to upset her or worry her while she was gone. Um, so she actually gets, she knew about my aunt passing. She didn't know about me yet, but so yeah, long story short, um, I start chemotherapy. I go through 16 rounds of chemotherapy. Um, and, you know, throughout my diagnosis, I'm checking in, you know, I see my oncologist every week, basically, uh, for treatment, blood work, check-ins, my body's changing, I'm losing my hair, my nails, I'm breaking out, I'm losing my immune system, my nerves are going numb and my hands and fingers from treatment, I'm, you know, my family is trying to keep me safe, I'm wearing you know, before masks was a thing, I'm already wearing them. I started the you trend. You started the trend. I started the trend in 2018 of wearing masks. I, I've been doing this stuff for like, what, three, we're going three and a half years So now. we have you to blame for it. Yes, I am the trendsetter of wearing masks. I started this a long time ago. So um, anyway, um we're talking about my family history. He's got my genetic report and we're talking about my treatment options. Mastectomy, lumpectomy, double mastectomy. What does it all mean? What decisions should I make? And I'm like, I'm here to finish the battle that started with my family. I'm going to finish what they couldn't give it to me. Give it to me. Just give all of it to me. Bring it on. I can do this. Mm. So... I did the 16 rounds of chemo. I had a double mastectomy. I had radiation right after that. Um, took a little bit of a break because um, I was tired at hospitals. I went into remission after radiation um, May of 2019. I, I was diagnosed formally in August of 2018 and went into remission. What? That's like nine, ten months, nine, eight months mm. later. Mm -hmm. Um May of 2019. And I took a little break. I said, I'm done with hospitals for a minute. Um, he didn't want other cancers to be fueled in, by my hormones in my body. So we kept my ovaries asleep. And I was on medications to just prevent my body from making cancer. Uh, mm -hmm. There's this little chemotherapy pill, uh, mm -hmm. it's a maintenance drug that I'm, I'm still on to this day. And um, you know, he's like, all right, you know, we talked about, I was okay with not having kids. My husband and I were okay with that. Mm. Um, so I chose to have a hysterectomy as a take everything. I said, take, I don't want any, just no chance of other feminine cancers because although breast cancer does run in my family, there are other cancers that plague my family on my dad's side, mm. a little bit on my mom's side, my dad's side, primarily. And so I said, remove everything. Let's just do it all. You know, I don't, I don't, if you can take it, take it. Mm -hmm. um, that's just how I was. 
And so had the hysterectomy and had, um, right after the hysterectomy, I'm starting my appointments for breast reconstruction um, because I had radiation. I couldn't, they wanted the skin to heal for at least a year. Mm -hmm. So I lived life with no breast from 2019, coming into 2020, had the hysterectomy, ready to go start the, I was going to have what is called deep flap. It's D-I-E-P. It's where they take fat tissue and blood vessels from your stomach and they place them in your chest to recreate your breasts. Mm -hmm. And I was ready to go on this. So we are now in, um, yeah, 2019, had the hysterectomy. Oh, yeah, we're in 2020. If I got my timeline messed up, it's that COVID has messed up my <laughs> sense of time. Yes. Uh, like, altogether, I felt like 2020 was an entire decade. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we're in 2020 at this point. Yeah, 2019 into 2020, I had my hysterectomy. And... This was February, all right? So I'm healing, recovering. We're going into March 2020. And um, I remember I got to celebrate my birthday. And I believe it was that afternoon, the country shut down. <laughs> and I I have, in my 20s, I've shut some bars down in my day. <laughs> I've never shut the entire country down before. <laughs> I'm joking, you know, because um, I, I have to look at this through humor in some mm -hmm. way. And I'm, you know, it became apparent that my reconstruction surgery was not going to be happening in 2020. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it was heartbreaking to live my life again. Another, you know, I've got short hair. I've got no breasts. I, you know, my body is still recovering mm -hmm. from cancer treatments. I'm, my husband, I go to him one night. I mean, he has still been my number one supporter, caretaker all through this. And he's never lost his love or his passion for me. I got so frustrated with myself and my body. I told him, I'm like, this isn't who you married. You didn't sign up for this. You can cheat on me if you want to. Mm. And um, he's like, you're crazy um, or off your meds or something. Just, yeah, don't, don't <laughs> even talk like that. And I'm like okay, well, I gave you a hall pass. Just don't tell me about it, you know? And he's like, no, that's, that won't be happening. And, um, here I was, I'm, I'm frustrated with my clothes not fitting. Um, I'm not as toned as I was before cancer mm. because I didn't want to look too masculine. And I just didn't know what to think about myself anymore. Anyway, so get through the, uh, I don't want to sound insensitive, the hardest part of COVID? The, mm -hmm. How about the beginning of COVID? Yeah. <laughs> the shocking part uh, of COVID? The shocking part of COVID. Hospitals open up for, because my, my surgery was considered elective, um, they opened back up for my I, deep surgery. I just surgery. need to sit with that for one second. Sure. But who said... A woman getting her breast back after cancer is elective. Like that just 
that that to me, oh, there are so many parts of your story where, where my righteous anger comes up. Um, mm-hmm. And that's another one. So anyway, go ahead. Go on with your story. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it required my, um, because it's fat tissue, blood vessels, I went from essentially being a double amputee to a double transplant recipient with my own body tissue. Mm. I stayed four days in the the surgical ICU of my hospital. Um, I guess it's possible they may have needed those rooms for COVID patients at one time. Mm. I'm not sure, but um, I was, I mean, I looked like Frankenstein with these scars. I knew what I was getting into. I knew what I was in for physically. Mentally, the pain, Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I knew, I mean, of course, I knew it was going to be painful. I'm expecting soreness, achiness. I did not, I was not able to prepare myself mentally to really consider what the surgery was, having to learn how to walk again. I had to stay hunched over for eight weeks wearing binders throughout my torso and on my breast compression from just from all up and down my my trunk. And uh, I I felt like kind of like the Marshmallow Man and Mm. Ghostbusters. That's how I felt. (laughs) Um, And... um, Man, yeah, just every time I look at my body and, you know, I had drains coming out of my hips and the sides of my breast. They look like these little grenades that fill up with uh, red fluid. That's not necessary. There's a little bit of blood, but it's just fluid Mm -hmm. that you accumulate from surgery. Yeah. And um, so I'm just kind of walking around, you know, here I am making jokes. I'm like, oh, I'm a spider. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, like I've got four drains, arms and legs. I'm like, I'm a spider. And, um, you know, just anything to get me through this mentally. And it was the hardest thing I'd ever physically done. But I don't regret going through it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That was just phase one. Phase one is to make sure the blood vessels and everything work um, to your breast that the fat in your chest doesn't die or go necrotic or anything. Um, yeah. And then I just had phase two back in October and it was supposed to be, they're like two, three weeks. You're going to be fine. You're going to be good. We're going to monitor you. I had, I had some complications there and still recovering from Mm. some of those and, you know, just some of the fluid retention that took place migrated downward into some of my joints caused a lot of inflammation and pain Mm. for me. They were checking me out for blood clots and other things and just keeping an eye on me. And I'm just like, I'm supposed to be at my finish line right now. And they keep moving my finish line. Mm. Like I'm thinking I'm almost there, but nope, some, just something keeps happening. And, um, I've been working through the mental battle of like, I've been in remission since 2019, Mm. but my body is still going through all this stuff. I'm trying to put it behind me. I'm trying to honor my past and learn from it and grow from it. But I don't want it to keep infiltrating my future. I'm ready to keep going and get back to, you know, 
2018, I ignored the lump because I wanted to live my life. Well, I'm in my mind, I'm trying to pick back up from that and move forward Yeah, and do the things that I am, I'm purposeful for to use, or well, I'm sorry, to purposefully use my story to move forward. Yeah. I'm just trying, I'm still trying to get out of the mud from it right now. Mm. And um, as much as I've talked, that is the short version of my <laughs> journey. Yeah. And listeners, Jessica and I talked before and we probably, I don't know, was our last conversation probably an hour and a half or something yeah, crazy like that? I there is so. Yeah. so much to your story that we could explore. There is uh, probably medical malpractice. There's medical gaslighting. There mm -hmm. is, there's just so many pieces and parts of this that we could explore if we had hours and hours and hours. And I don't know, at some point, I think we'll have you back and we'll explore some of that stuff. But I want to, I want to talk about your heck yes moment, your moment of saying, okay, life has given me a giant triple decker shit sandwich. <laughs> this <laughs> really sucks. This is awful. And you took that moment and you said, but I want to create something out of this that will help other women. And that to me is the shocking, inspiring piece, because I think we can all resonate even if we've never gone through cancer, we can all resonate going through really difficult times where we really don't have anything to give to anybody else. And I, I'm so in awe and so inspired by your strength and your desire to help other women. So I would love to hear about your app and, uh, and hear about what inspired you to create this, the breast exam app? So, um, a self-breast exam is what essentially saved my life. Yeah. You know, from the moment I started doing them in college, 15 years into my early thirties of finding the lump that eventually got diagnosed as cancer. I realized how important it was to do self-breast exams. And during my second round of chemo, I hadn't told anyone up to that point that I had breast cancer. And um, it was then as my body starting to change, I'm losing my hair. My fingernails mm. are getting very brittle. Um, I'm just becoming weaker. At the same time, I'm not wanting to hide under a rock either. And people that I know are going to see me. I'm not going to hide this. I'm going to tell people about it first. So when they see me, it's not so much of a shock. I came out to social media and told them my story about how I got diagnosed with breast cancer. And so many of my friends are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. How did you discover this? Or how did you even get treated, tested, diagnosed, where did this all begin? I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm just doing myself breast exams like I normally do after my menstrual cycle. You know, aren't you doing yours also? We're, we're all doing those, right? And they're like, no, no, I, I don't really, I don't do myself exams. I'm like, what? I thought, well, women always talk about their menstrual cycles and 
I guess we don't talk about our breasts that much. Isn't that and, crazy? That's crazy. Yeah. And, um, you know, in our breast health, we see them, you know, we sexualize them. And it, girl, if you love what you have and you want to show them off, you go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, nothing wrong with a woman who wants to feel sexy in her breasts. We also need to take care of our breasts as mm-hmm. well is the message I try to convey, you know, just body positivity, um, you know, for our breast health, essentially. Um, I realized more and more women were coming to me, sending me messages, leaving me comments. I'm getting texts, phone calls. Like, I don't know what a self-breast exam is. My mom got diagnosed. She found it on accident or she found it on a mammogram, which by the way, I, I am definitely pro mammogram mm-hmm. also. Um, so I thought, wow, that this, this is a big problem. This is, this is huge. I, I need to tell more women about doing self-breast exams because I've been doing them forever. And I thought, I just thought it was just something we, everybody knew how to do. And apparently that's not the case. As I thought about it, I'm like, no, we talk about periods. We don't really talk about breasts other than like, does this bra make my boobs look good? You know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, I got to do something about this. So I'm like talking about it with my sister a little one night I'm in the shower watching the remainder of my fuzz go down the drain. I'm literally watching my life, my physical life off my head go down the drain. And I just recall the shower being a vulnerable place for me and where I've done self breast exams and felt my breasts and feel life breast cancer. I'm like, I just came to feel for your life. Mm. That's why you do self-breast exams is to literally feel for your life. And that's how I'm like, that's a name. That's it. So I got out of the shower and I go searching on Google and social media. There's nothing called feel for your life out there. There's no, uh, there's no app. There's no social handles. There's no website. It was all available. So I bought up the website right away and I reserved the um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just right off the bat. And I thought, I- I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this as like a platform to tell my story. I don't care if women forget who I am. I just want them to do their self breast exams mm-hmm. and advocate for themselves because of everything I went through. You know, no one believed me and when I had that lump in my breast and um, there's one part of that I've left out that I may get back to, but I started to use feel for your life as my platform to tell my story. And um, to, I started just looking up things about breast health and breast cancer and genetics and mammograms and screenings. My friends who are under the age of 40, we're having a really hard time going to the doctor asking for mammograms Mm -hmm. and they would have to like put up a fight. Like, well, this is my family history. This is, you know, this is what I have. And even with family histories and even with having lumpy breasts or their concerns, they were still being ignored. And Mm. I thought, well, what if there was a way to, you know, for women to track this and I'm looking online, I'm looking in the app store there are nonprofits that do um, 
they they tell you how to do self-breast exams and they tell you to write down what you find and they um I just didn't think they were very thorough mm-hmm. and I thought wait that we're you know I'm a millennial I'm you know I know this is how we use technology how can I take all of this and put it into one place for a woman to keep up with everything. So a couple of years into having feel for your life, just on social platforms after breast cancer awareness month in 2020, I thought I want to do something bigger and better with this. I want to reach more women. I want to give them tools and resources to track and monitor changes in their breasts, share that with their doctors and practitioners mm. and the medical professionals that they trust. Like, hey, I've been doing my self-breast exams for, you know, three, four, five months now. You know, I'm in month six and I've been tracking it in the app and in my notes, I didn't have a lump in this area then. And now I'm finding something. You think we could look at that together and just open up conversations yeah. with their doctors and their practitioners. I understand there's... um I think some doctors are wondering about like over testing, over screening, mm-hmm. um, coming up with diagnosis, diagnoses that um, may be, you know, problematic from a mental health perspective. But I want, I want this to be a tool to keep the doors open, yeah. lines of communication to build better trust between doctors and people and um, to just so that they can be proactive in their health and practice self-care from a physical, you know, from Mm -hmm. a physical standpoint, you know, we always talk about, you know, getting our nails done, going to salons and spas for self-care, but, you know, taking care of our, our physical well-being too, and all of our female needs as well. Yes. That's a huge part of self-care and self-love. Yeah. And so I, um, over nine, 10 months, I had to start over for multiple reasons uh, some legal reasons. Uh, I had some servers that caught fire <laughs> and had to like, everything got lost. Oh <laughs> my God. It, I, I almost gave up. At your that story point. of perseverance in every <laughs> aspect of your life blows me away. Listeners, do you understand why I had to have this woman on? <laughs> and the story of the servers catching fire is a whole nother story that, oh, we, yeah. So yeah. keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, also, like, I have a background in journalism and social media marketing. I didn't know. I knew. Uh, okay, I knew a little bit about websites and putting to and putting them together through templated sites like Squarespace. I didn't know anything about app development. I I knew virtually nothing. Mm. The only thing I knew is that I didn't know how to do it, <laughs> <laughs> which is a big knowing. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I acquired the skills and the platforms and the knowledge and the wisdom from outside sources and people. I did a lot of consulting. Um, I talked to a lot of people. I have a tech guy who's kind of monitoring servers and the way things operate. I did more of the front end design, the user experience, um, how things looked, how, where people were going to go from A to B. If they click here, they're going to go there. You know, I arranged, I was able to do that side of it Mm -hmm. and teach myself how to do it. And, um, and then it, it launched finally, 
I had completed it in August. It got approved in the App Store and the Google Play Store. And then I didn't tell anybody about it because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want anyone to crap all over it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, you know, we all have negative people in our lives who tell us that they you're never going to do this. You're never going to do that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to hear any of that. Mm-hmm. And I just sat on it and I would look at it on my phone and in the app store and my husband downloaded it. And I would look at it. I'm like, isn't this cool? I have this app that nobody knows about. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to enjoy having it completed yeah. and having it done. And then, um, I had the opportunity to speak at a women's event in the town I live in now. And because uh, they had heard about my cancer story. And it was then I decided to tell this room full of women about my app. And uh, right then and there. And it, it just kind of took off. Um, local media in my area, in the Nashville area, started to hear about it. And um, they did a they were, they were doing stories about me. This is the end of August, early September, right ahead of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, right before October, I um, some major Instagram pages started to uh, pick up the local stories um, out of Nashville, mm. and they were doing their versions of it. And then it was going national. I was getting national and then international media, I started getting calls from ABC, you know, and Good Morning America, blogs, podcasts all over the country. And I was getting more and more confident in saying, hey, I'm Jessica, I'm a breast cancer survivor, and I want to help other women advocate for themselves because I was always, I didn't want to make this about me. Mm-hmm. I, I truly mean it when I say, I don't care if you forget who I am. I just want you to do your self-breast exams. That it just means, and you know, advocate for yourself. Yeah. I use that because it rhymes. <laughs> I like how, the, how it yeah. flows. But, um, you know, and then in the app, I talk about getting screened, types of screenings, questions to ask, genetics testing, you know, how to do a self-breast exam, when to do a self-breast exam. And, um, you know, I'm trying to open that up. I'm, I'm working on some stuff about dense breast tissue and different types of breasts and understanding, you know, areolas and nipples. And I'm not a medical professional. I do have medical professionals and resources I consult with and quote uh, in my app, I make it very clear. I'm not a doctor. I'm not trying to be your doctor. Mm-hmm. I just, um, you know, this is just a, a, a tool to use with your doctor. Um, so, you know, I started uh, from there. I started getting people from other countries. Like I had launched just in the, in the U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to start there. But then I had like people like India different countries in Africa where they didn't get access to as many resources about breast health there all over different places in, in Europe wanting to know more about it and how they could download it. So I haven't officially announced this on social media. I'll go ahead and tell you, I am now in 176 countries. (laughs) Yeah. The app is that available. Is, uh, and, yeah. Amazing. You mm-hmm. went from not wanting to tell anybody about this app 
to oh. it's in 176 countries. Yeah. And I'm sitting on, I know this isn't live right now, but I'm sitting on this right now because again, I just like to enjoy it for a little yeah. while before someone craps on me. Because <laughs> and, and, I just, I'm like, I'll, I'll probably announce it on my socials this week. Oh my God, um, I'm so excited. Yeah, um, but I, I've just been hanging on to this this little thing. And, um, but it, people who hear me on other podcasts and other, uh, blogs and resources, radio shows and whatnot, and those, uh, European, African countries, Asian countries that they have been downloading. I've seen it, you know, it's Mm -hmm. spreading out there. I just, um, it's, I just haven't announced it. People know about it. I just haven't made a formal (laughs) announcement, announcement about it. Um, so yeah, it, it just, it's taken off and it's been crazy and it's just led so many opportunities and, you know, speaking to other women and other mm-hmm. organizations and, and getting the word out, um, about self exams and how they helped me because I realized over time it was about, so I have this shirt, um, from a particular nonprofit that says explore your mountains self-exams save lives and it's Mm. got their name and logo on it and that organization no longer promotes self-breast exams Hmm. and then i learned there are other organizations that don't promote self-breast exams and i thought why did they stop what happened and the answers i was getting from them were that well, there are these studies that doing a self-breast exam doesn't really improve your, more, your mortality chances. And I'm like, really? And I got access to these studies. There's one in particular, um, the one that I saw, the one that this major breast cancer uh, nonprofit uses, the one that I got my shirt from. It's from 2003. And it took people out of uh, Russia and Shanghai um, and two areas where healthcare may not be as advanced as it is in the United States. And they used that to say, you know, people from these countries, you know, women did self-breast exams and their mortality rates weren't improved. It's the biggest study. And I'm like, okay, you know, looking at it now, I'm like, that was in 2003, almost 20 years ago. Healthcare is a lot different now than it was then. Mm-hmm. Healthcare is different here than it is over there. These are valid concerns. And I think we need to revisit this. Um, because I, I haven't, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying I haven't seen any recent data that shows self-breast exams don't improve mortality rates when women are diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I then later learned that major insurance companies were funding these nonprofits. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) not a surprise. That's not a surprise. Yeah. I learned that insurance companies don't want women doing self-breast exams because they go to the doctor more often when they mm-hmm. find things and ask questions. Heaven forbid, we take <laughs> care of our own bodies and we go to the doctor and we ask for help. Heaven right. forbid. Heaven forbid that they're 
that this drive, you know, that this cuts into their profits when you have these insurance CEOs who are multimillionaires with private jets and, and whatnot. I'm not saying yeah. don't be successful in life. Be successful and but do good. Yeah, like, but, but, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah. It just makes it, there's, you know, if I like to use logical reasoning on uh, most arguments and logical reasoning says, if you are regularly examining yourself and you are aware of your body and you know what your body is doing and how it feels and you find an abnormality, logical reasoning says that that's a good thing for you, that's good information for you to go, like you said, have a conversation with your doctor about. And you're right. It, not every time is it's cancer. Sometimes it's a fibroid. Sometimes it's a cyst. Sometimes, you know, whatever. But goodness, we we should be empowered to have conversations about our body. And I think that's what's so powerful about your story. I lost my best friend to cancer at 39 she didn't get to, her big dream was to get to watch her son graduate high school. And she passed away a couple of weeks before he walked oh, in his graduation. Goodness. Yeah. And it is one of those things, Jessica, where um, it just, it just wasn't fair. Like they didn't test her early enough for the BRCA which is what she had. They didn't take the measures early enough for what she needed. Um, and she's an African-American. So there, there's probably, we could talk for hours about how uh, minorities are treated in the medical system. Mm -hmm. And um, she didn't, she didn't need to die, you know? And so I think that the work you're doing is so powerful and so important. And I think no matter what we as women need to be aware of ourselves, our mental health, our physical health, everything we need to be aware of. So before we move into kind of the fun part of the interview, I do have a question about what's been the biggest surprise for you with starting this app? The biggest surprise, oh man. You know, when I announced it, you know, at that, um, women's event I spoke at, I thought, okay, this is going to be so great for my community, the area that I lived in. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't expect it to take off so quickly mm. and it was overwhelming. And I didn't realize that so many women were like, oh my God, I've needed something like this. Yeah. I, this is something I've, I, I need to have my, I don't do myself breast exams. I need something like this. Um, because in the app, you can set reminders and you can keep notes and track things. Also, it's completely free. I don't even run ads in it because I thought ads that would pop up and be along the screens would look so tacky. <laughs> and I know that's every entrepreneur is like cringing right now. <laughs> if they hear that, they're like, so I spend my, my own money and have invested in this myself. It's I didn't go to anybody. I didn't raise any money. It's money that I've saved uh, through my full-time job and, you know, my husband's income also. We're in this together. I just speak about it the most, but I guess that's how, how it took off so, so quickly, so fast, you know, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I want 
every woman in the world to have this on their phones. Yeah, that's that's kind of like the mm-hmm. big, you know, mm-hmm. dream. It's a dream, a right. wish. I didn't expect it to grow so much out of my community um, like it like it has. And um, and then some of the backlash that I got from people who represent certain organizations that don't promote uh, breast exams. Yeah. You don't need to be doing this. You're scaring women. Do you realize that this is traumatizing? Like you don't know what you're doing and you just need to stop. And I'm just like, oh, I'm really disrupting traumatizing women to be familiar Mm -hmm. with our own bodies. Yeah. So these nonprofits will say, on their websites, we want women to be familiar with your, their breasts, but don't do, don't do routine self exams. Don't, d- don't do it a certain way. Don't do it at a certain time, but be familiar with your breasts. We encourage that. And if you find any, they'll tell you if you be familiar with your breasts. And if you find anything, go to the doctor, but they're not going to tell you how, mm-hmm. when, what exactly to look for. They're very vague. On that, mm-hmm. they definitely support screenings, which I do too. Women under forty just have trouble getting them, so I like to help them advocate that. Um, I, I'm just so that was really surprising. It wasn't a whole lot of backlash, but um, you know, sometimes negative voices can sound very loud, but yeah. they're a vocal minority. It's not the majority. I've received all kinds of praise, even. Uh, Tom Hanks's wife on one Instagram thread, uh, Miss <laughs> Rita Wilson. She's like, I forgot what she said. I have it saved, but she's responded, you know, emphatically about it. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Tom Hanks. <laughs> that's Rita Wilson. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Yeah. And she's a breast cancer survivor. Mm. And she thought it, you know, had great things to say about it. Um, so uh, it just how that just the, the, vast reception and then some of the negative reception mm-hmm. uh, that surprised me about yeah. it yeah mm-hmm. jessica oh my gosh your story your story is so fantastic and i'm so glad you're sharing it and thank you for giving of yourself so much to share yeah. with others you know to share your experience with others it can't be easy it can't be easy to talk about this it can't be easy to constantly relive and then you used your own resources to create this app in in a time when really so many of your personal resources were were going towards um, saving your life and i'm just so grateful and so in awe and so inspired by you so thank you thank you for that it's very kind of you. Thank you so much. I, that just what you said is the reason why I keep going and mm. I keep doing this. So thank you. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Okay, we get to move into the fun part, the lighthearted fun part, where we get to kind of see the lighthearted fun part of Jessica. Although we've gotten lots of glimpses with your comedy routine. I don't know if you're ever going to take it to the stage, but I'll be there if you do. Okay, so or write a book. You need to write a book. Oh my gosh. Okay, so first question I want to ask you is what I'm a big giant book nerd, super big book nerd, and I'm always looking for new books to read. I would love to know, do you have a book right now that you are enjoying? Um, I have two right now. <gasps> two. It's enjoying. like Christmas morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one is called Safe People 
by mm. Dr. Henry Cloud. Ooh, what's that one about? Yeah. It's about looking for patterns in people who aren't really good for your life and how to find the good people who enrich your life. And Mm. he uses, uh, you know, uh, studies, science uh, behind this, like these um, unsafe people have these character traits and safe people do these things for you. Mm. And when you're approached by unsafe people, how do you handle those relationships? Especially like, for example, like if you have in-laws who give you issues or something, you know, you have to maintain those relationships, but you don't have to tolerate the things they say and do to you. You know, you can set boundaries that way, which he actually happens to be the author of the book Boundaries. Mm. Um, So... Um, Safe People was published after Boundaries, and it's a really good follow-up mm. to it. Um, Ooh, so, so good. Yeah, I'm reading Safe People, and I'm reading a book called Rejection Proof. Ah! Oh. And it's, um, it's I'm going to butcher his name. I don't know how to say it. Uh, I believe it's Zha Jing. And um, it's this gentleman who's... Uh, Families from China and they immigrated over here and he, uh, you know, had all kinds of cultural experiences living in, in the United States and wanted to just overcome his fear of making asks um, mm. in his life of people. Uh, and so he went on this challenge um, where he would uh, go up to people and go into places and asked him, like, one time he was on a, on a plane, and he asked if he could make the announcements. <gasps> and then, like, another time he went into um, a Krispy Kreme and asked for a really specialized, complicated order. And other times, it, he went door-to-door in his neighborhood and would ask if he could just go play soccer in someone's backyard. A complete stranger. <laughs> Yeah, so it's about <laughs> his experiences doing these things and what he's learned, just, you know, and making himself rejection proof. Why don't we make big asks? Why mm-hmm. don't we go after certain things? You know, like, because I thought about why was I afraid to tell people about my app? Yeah. I mean, what's the fear? You know, what's the shame or any unresolved guilt do I need to get through to move forward, you know, to do better, bigger. Oh my gosh. Okay. That I am definitely getting that book. So when I launched this podcast, I did the same thing as you with the app. I didn't tell anybody. I started a new Instagram so that nobody that follows me knew. And Mm. it was a new Instagram just for the podcast. And I had a very small group of people, like my nearest and dearest, where I was like, okay, listen, like, let me know what you think. And it's just so funny, like how afraid we are of what other people will think. I got over that real quick. But um, when I say real quick, it it was several episodes in. But, you know, once you kind of get that that confidence and you're like, okay, this is Mm -hmm. good, um, you know, then it just took off. Like you said, like yours took off and my podcast took off. But it's so funny how we, that fear stops us in the beginning. It's it's really mm-hmm. interesting. I'm I'm excited to read that book. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this these kind of conversations, I just get so excited. Okay. <laughs> um, they're making a movie of your life, Jessica, and you get to pick three songs for the soundtrack. What would they be? Oh man. Oh. 
Um, one would be Can't Take That Away Ooh. by Mariah Carey. Um, the other, or another one would be Rise by Katy Perry. Mm, that's a good one. And um, I have to throw a fun one in there that's just off the wall. It's going to be called Body by Megan Thee Stallion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, when I had my reconstruction procedure, uh, when I was in um, post-op, one of the nurses asked me how I felt and I quoted the chorus of that song. <laughs> Tell us that chorus. You want to know what it I want to know the chorus. So, <laughs> Well, I want to hear you say the chorus. <laughs> so it goes, body crazy, curvy, wavy, big titties, little waist. <laughs> That's how it goes. That's the chorus. It's a song. <laughs> Because body crazy, curvy, wavy, big titties, little waist. Because that's what they did. I had a tummy tuck and a breast reconstruction. They, I mm. mean, that's that's the short. It wasn't technically a tummy tuck. Right. It was a similar procedure, but they they had to take that tissue and put it in my chest. Um, but yeah, so that and I just remember, like, I don't know who was in the room. But my husband was like, oh, my God. And and so <laughs> the doctors were just puzzled. The nurses, the younger nurses knew exactly what I was referencing. <laughs> and they busted out laughing. And <sighs> so I just thought, well, that's that's how I'm feeling. You know, body crazy, curvy, wavy, you know, big titties, little waist. And that's... <laughs> You asked, and I just, if you need to cut that, that's I, fine. I understand. I will not be cutting that. I will not because, Jessica, this is why I love you so much. I kid you not. I have told everybody how excited I am to have you on the podcast. Like, I, I'm more excited about you than if I got some giant celebrity Oh my God. Because, <laughs> Jessica, because you are so real and raw and vulnerable, and you took such a painful, difficult situation and turned it into doing good for others. And you have a sense of humor about something where there are so many painful experiences in it. Painful experiences we don't have time to talk about today, but like we said, you had medical gaslighting, you had medical malpractice, you you had a fire in your <laughs> when you're trying to do the apps, like so many things you have overcome that it's just amazing. All right, this takes us to the last question about radical audacity. So this podcast celebrates those radically audacious moments when you say heck yes to yourself. What is a moment recently? as you're recovering from your surgery, where you have had a moment where you have said heck yes to yourself? Recently. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I've been so eager to get, just be done mm -hmm. with cancer stuff, treatments, everything. And um, I had surgery complications with my leg and, and my knee after what was supposed to be my last 
uh, surgery related mm-hmm. to reconstruction. And I, like I said, I just wanted to be done and in denial that much, again, that stuff was going on. And it was brought up to me, you know, when I got cleared, you know, from the blood clot and I'm still having issues. It's like, we're going to need you to do physical therapy. I'm Mm. like, how much more? I'm like, you know what? Yes. Heck yes. I'm going (laughs) to do this. I don't want to. I, there are a lot of things I have not wanted to do, but if I want to get back to my knee being healthy and I don't want to hurt it further. I don't want, you know, to have other problems or issues in my leg. If I want to get, you know, my performance where I need it to be, um, you know, when I'm working out at the gym, like my physical performance and my goals there Mm -hmm. that I'm working on, I need to say heck yes to this. And I just got to do it. I, I, I need to do it. I didn't want to, but I did. I mm. absolutely did. And um, I don't regret it at all. I'm, I'm, I think it actually sped things up a, a lot. Ugh. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I, I needed it, and I'm grateful I did it. Well, I am so grateful that you shared that story with us. I am so grateful you shared your entire story with us. Listeners, you need some Jessica in your life. So, Jessica, <laughs> how can listeners find you? Um, well, they can find Feel for Your Life on Instagram at Feel for Your Life, just spelled mm-hmm. out, just like that. And um, my Instagram handle is Jessica Baladad. If you go to the Feel for Your Life, I'm tagged in my bio. Um, you can also find Feel for Your Life on Facebook, and you can find and download the app in the App Store and the Google Play Store. All you got to do is search for Feel for Your Life. Oh, that's so wonderful. All right, uh, listeners, this is a super, super important episode. Our health is vital, and women have got to take our health into our own hands, and we have to know how to communicate what's going on with our health. So please, please, please share this episode with your friends. Share it in memory of my best friend, Noni, that died of breast cancer. Share it in in Jessica's honor of being a proud warrior that wants to do good for others. Share it for your grandmothers and your mothers and anybody in your life who has battled breast cancer or any of the other female cancers and um, just get the word out and help Jessica help as many women as she can. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Jessica. Oh my goodness, listeners, I hope you loved this interview with Jessica as much as I do. This time I spent with her was so inspiring and I found myself in tears in parts of it. I found myself having righteous indignation in parts of it. And I definitely had some good laughs with Jessica because she is so wonderful. I have a few takeaways I wanted to share with you from our conversation, and I'm really excited to hear your takeaways. So please come find me on Instagram and send me a DM. I love hearing your feedback. I read every message and I usually respond to every message. All right. My big takeaway from Jessica, number one, she 
knew something was wrong in 2018 when she did that breast exam, and yet she talked herself out of following through with it. And she regrets that. She wonders what would be different if she had followed through right away with her medical care once she had found that lump. And so I think the big lesson from that is we need to trust ourselves as women and stop talking ourselves out of what we know is right whether it's our health care, whether it's our mental health, our work situation, our relationships, stop talking yourself out of things and start listening to your inner knowing. The second thing that really resonated, that was a big takeaway, was when Jessica said her app got approved. It launched on Apple and Google Play but she didn't tell anyone about it. And that resonated with me because I did the same with this podcast when I launched it. I didn't tell anyone about it. And I started a new Instagram for this podcast and didn't tell anybody about it. And and it was at zero for the longest time because I didn't want anybody to know what I was doing. And I think my big takeaway with that and with this conversation with Jessica is We have this fear of rejection. We have this fear of people knowing what we're doing when we do something vulnerable, like start a podcast or um, release an app or train for a marathon or whatever, write a book, whatever your thing is that you are doing. Sometimes our fear of rejection stops us from singing to the world and letting our light shine and saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. So if there's any takeaway that I got from Jessica, it's let your light shine, you guys. Tell the world what you're doing. Don't be afraid of rejection. There is always someone out there who will say something negative, but that's not what is important. What is important is all of the lives you're touching and all of the good that you are doing by just going forward and doing your thing. And my last takeaway was, is that Jessica is so humble. She's so beautiful. When she launched her podcast, she really was, or her app, she really wanted to help her local community. And she thought, well, you know, it'll it'll help some people in my local community. And that humbleness, that desire to help and that desire to be of service ended up escalating into her the local news picking up her story. And from the local news, it spread out into other news stations. And her app, she didn't tell you guys, has gotten tens of thousands of downloads. And she is just thrilled. She's still funding this out of her own pocket. It is still a free app. And I just think it is her beautiful humility and humbleness. And it just shows when you do something out of the goodness of your heart, it explodes, it goes out into the world and continues doing good. So whatever you guys have brewing in your heart, whatever act of good, act of service that is in alignment and in integrity with your soul, whatever it is that you want to do, go out and do it and make a difference. Thank you everyone for listening. If anything in this episode resonated with you, and I am sure it does, please write a review 
It's so important. It helps other people find the podcast and share. Of all the episodes I've ever done, this is the episode that I hope gets shared with every woman out there because I think we all need to hear this message and we all need to have confidence in our own self-care and we need to carry on those conversations as to how we talk about our our bodies and our health and having confidence in being able to carry out those conversations. So please share this episode. Thank you, everyone. I hope you have an absolutely beautiful day.